everyone. Hello, 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 all humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Hidden Edges Radio. How are you? I am thrilled to be here with you today. We have a great show. We've got a great guest coming up. And you are listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. There you go. I need to say that because remember, the voice does not match the name. And I have people wondering, what is this all about? But my regular listeners, and I am hearing from you with some frequency. Thank you so very much. Thank you. And thanks for putting up with the fact that I have to make that disclaimer. We have a great show today. As I said, remember what this show is about. Hidden Edges Radio is about how all of us are attempting to navigate and survive the hidden edges of the human condition. Some of those edges are sharp. Others are blunt. And all of it, all of it is about us being in it together. We're all trying to make our way, aren't we? I know you're listening to me right now. I know you got stuff in your head right now. You got stuff that you're trying to deal with. I get that. Everyone is. And you know what? If we understood that about everyone, we'd stop seeing people according to colors or religions or LGBTQ statuses. Oh, look at me. I'm getting on top of a soapbox. Okay. All right. We'll move on. We have a great guest today. Woki Dabo from Project Blackboard, a wonderful, innovative nonprofit that I've come across and recently was an article somewhere out in media. Woki, you are on the line with us. Is that right? Yes, yes. Hello, hello. Hello, Woki. Thank you so very much for being on Hidden Edges Radio with me, Ellie Krug. Thanks I am. Uh, having me. Well, you're welcome. I reached out to you because I read about uh, the work that you're doing in Liberia, in Africa, and I just needed to talk to you. And as soon as I read about that, I said, I need to talk to her by phone and see if I can get her on the show. So here you are. So welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us what is Project Blackboard? Well, Project Blackboard is a, non a nonprofit organization that seeks to create an academically enriching environment for students um, in Liberia, West Africa. Um, we believe that education changes everything. So our goal is to really go into school environments and provide the resources that are needed for teachers and students to really find academic success in that environment, as well as uh, making sure that we're creating um, classrooms that are engaging, that are uh, inspiring, that students can really um, uh, enroll in from a student perspective. Um, so we've been doing it for now about four years, and um, that is a little bit what Project Blackboard is, it, uh, is about. All right. So, Wokey, why Liberia? Um, well, I grew up um, in a very Liberian home. My mother is uh, born and raised in Liberia, West Africa, and my two oldest brothers were born and raised there, and they are uh, three of the most important people in my life, and I grew up in a home very anchored in that culture and that tradition and the family ties. Um, grew up in uh, uh, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, which is considered a little Liberian, so grew up with a lot of uh, West African Liberian influence, and so when there was um, an opportunity to visit for the first time with my mother, I went and I fell in love with, with Liberia, West Africa. How old, how, how old were you at that time? I was, uh, probably 25 that first time, that first trip with my mom. And it was, it was interesting because, um, it felt like home and there was only two places, um, in my, my life journey that, that it felt like home and that's the twin cities. And that was Liberia. Wow. What, and what a contrast, yeah. of course, between those two locations. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And so, all right, well, but Wokey, it's a it's a jump from going to visit Liberia, a place yeah. of roots for you, and yeah. to creating a nonprofit that has a focus that is overseas. That is quite yeah. a jump. So how did you get to make that jump? What yeah, happened? Man. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. You know, I think um, my, that first visit, I, I always knew that I had strong ties to the country, right? And, and from, again, growing up in a home where my mother spoke her language and cooked the, the traditional food and grew up, you know, around family and friends that were Liberian constantly. There was always a connection there that I had even before going to the country. But when I got there, and to be quite honest with you, when I saw the poverty and I saw the youth and I started to kind of do my, go a little deeper into the research or what I had thought I had known about the country, but really being on ground and to see the disruption um, of, of, of what war can do from an education perspective. I know I wanted to give back to young people. Um, 
And so I went and visited um, quite a few different schools, but this one particular school that I went to actually met the founder and builder of the, of the school. It was founded um, in 1981 and got a chance to meet the teachers and um, just a lot of passion around um, the students in the school. And so I made a commitment to them during that first meeting. Again, at that point, I was just really seeking to understand that I, I wanted to be able to give back to them. And so as I every day after that particular visit, I went back to the school um, and I just kind of started to fall in love with the school and, and some students showed up and um, the students that came to the school were kids that grew up in the neighborhood or were living in the neighborhood that surrounded the school. And it's in this part of the, of the city called Vitown, which is one of the poorest cities in the country. And I learned that, you know, the school had 325 students and served almost all the, the surrounding communities. Um, I fell in love. And so I thought about as I walked through the school, I, I saw the conditions and I saw the conditions of a lot of schools in Liberia. And I thought about how I grew up and what I, what my classroom environment was, um, and wanted to kind of help rebuild the school, if you will, physically. And it's interesting, um, there were some people, and then you have to really be careful about, you know, who you give your ear to when you're kind of going on these journeys that are really unique and, and wanting to do something that's non-conventional. I went and spoke to somebody about, you know, wanting to kind of, if you will, because the first pass of it was rehabilitating the classroom, right? And someone said, so you want to go to Liberia and be a classroom or be a school janitor? Oh and boy! So yeah, it was so discouraging, and it was so, so some, hard to hear. Somebody said that in Liberia to you, or somebody here somebody in the U.S. Said that when I came back to the states, I well, went, yeah. I met with, yeah, okay. I met with someone that was an entrepreneur, and and thought, and they had spent some time in Africa, right? So I thought they'd have an affinity, or you know, the, 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 what I was thinking about doing would have a little more currency with them, and um, it was discouraging to hear that. And they also said, you know, why don't you do this in you know a country where you can probably get more visibility or more FaceTime, like a Ghana? There's so many hoops and hurdles in Liberia, and I said, this doesn't happen. There is no Project Blackboard without Liberia. So well, and and I just want to interrupt you here because. Because uh, listeners can go to the Project Blackboard website, and why don't you give that website address right now, if Absolutely. you would? Absolutely. Yep, it's www.projectblackboard.org. Um, again, it's www.projectblackboard.org. And, and when you visit the site, you can see um, submit pictures of the actual classroom. You'll see the work that we did during the Ebola crisis. You'll see our first classroom rehabilitation. Right. Um, and there's some different images of the school and the students um, and some information about Liberia as well on the website. Well, the backdrop here, of course, is that Liberia was the scene of a 14-year civil war. Um, Charles Taylor is um, notorious for having um, been the um, dictator in that country for a period yep. of time. And there was great civil strife, great death, and great destruction. And, as I, and the school that you were talking about, it's the Jerusalem Elementary and Junior High School. Is that right? Correct. Yep. And as I looked at the pictures on your website, what struck me was that the, that the school um, looks like it, it was in a war zone. And, yep. and, and there are students that are trying to learn there and I yep. can absolutely see Wookie, why you went there and you're like, um, I'm remembering what it's like to, to have gone to school in Brooklyn park compared to this. And I need to do something about it. Absolutely. But absolutely. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you would go and create a nonprofit and, um, and, and, but you did do that, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, and how many times have you been back to Liberia now uh, for Project Blackboard? I tr my goal is to I go at least twice a year. Um, I go in the spring and then in, in the fall. And then I have someone that's on site that is kind of my project coordinator that helps with the facilitation of kind of the projects that we do within the school. Um, we recently shipped the 30,000 books there in partnership with the um, Northridge, uh, or I'm sorry, Northfield uh, Rotary Club, as well as Books for Africa. And that person helped liaison between the book shipment, was, which was, if you've ever shipped 30,000 books, to a third world country, you can imagine there's a lot of hoops and hurdles you have to go through, but um, that person is on ground and really connected to the school and I have a great relationship with the principal, so I'm able to um, uh, virtually work a lot. And then when I'm on ground, I just get a ton done as well. So Okay, yeah. so, so um, and we're going to have to take a break here in a second, but um, you, you just said something that was very big, which was that uh, the Rotary Club, and I happen to be a Rotarian, by the way, but the, oh, Rotary, wow. the Rotary Club out of Northfield, Minnesota, 
yep. um, helped arrange to ship 30,000 books to this school. Do I have that right? Yep. Correct. How in the world did you um, connect with the Rotary Club in Northfield? You know, it's a funny story. Um, I have an eighth grade algebra teacher. Uh, his name is Richard Mouse. Um, and he has been a part of my life for a very, very long time and continued to stay on as a mentor of mine. And when I had the first Project Blackboard launch party, I invited him and he came with his wife. And, you know, he said, I want to give back. I want to help. And so he connected with the Rotary Club of Northfield. He asked me to come out there and do a presentation about Project Blackboard and some of the work we've done. And I did. And when I left him um, and a, a Charlie Kogan, um, who's a, a, an educator as well, came back and said, hey, we'd like to work with the Rotary. Um, uh, Rotary Club, um, this particular chapter, to raise some funds to help ship the 30,000 30, books of Books for Africa. And um, a bit of a process, but um, they came back and um, raised almost all the money. And uh, in partnership, again, with Books for Africa, we were able to ship the 30,000 books through that partnership and that relationship that I had with my eighth grade uh, math teacher. Okay, well, that's obviously proof of what it's, of uh, the value of having a mentor and staying in touch Absolutely. with them. Well, when Absolutely. we well, Wookie, uh, when we come back from our break, um, um, Wookie, excuse me, uh, I want to talk more about uh, Project Blackboard, and I want to learn more about your motivation about doing it. We've been speaking with uh, Wookie um, from Project Blackboard, Wookie Dabo, and you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, with Hidden Edges Radio. Um, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com and sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple, or email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. When we come back, we'll speak more with Wokey from Project Blackboard. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. At Warner Stellion, we love appliances and our customers. They demand the best, and we wouldn't have it any other way. In appreciation, we put hundreds of appliances on sale at our lowest price, which we guarantee. Now through April 30th, choose from laundry pairs, dishwashers, French door refrigerators, grills, and more kitchen suites than you can count, all at our guaranteed lowest price. Our trusted delivery and installation specialists will get your appliances delivered and installed fast and right. We're Warner Stellion, Minnesota's appliance specialists. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. 
Welcome back to AM 950 and Hidden Edges Radio, where we take on issues relative to surviving the human condition and uh, talk about how we treat each other and ourselves and where we talk about what it means to live authentically and with inclusivity. I've been speaking with, in our first segment, uh, Woki Dabo from Project Blackboard. And Woki, when we took the break, you had talked uh, about how Books for Africa and the Rotary Club in Northfield had come together to help you ship 30,000 books. So apart from sending school supplies to this school in Liberia. What else is Project Blackboard doing? So one of the things that we're doing uh, currently is breaking ground on our third classroom. Um, we are looking to uh, completely overhaul the uh, K-1 classroom for students. And so that means we'll go in and we'll put in a new. So actually when I was there, we purchased several whiteboards for the entire school. So the, the goal is to get rid of the actual blackboards, even though the organization is called Project Blackboard. But as you can tell in kind of those um, heat uh, heat environments, the chalk is, uh, runs out often and sometimes it becomes, you can't even and read what's on the actual blackboard and so mm. the teachers requested um, uh, to get some whiteboards and I was able to purchase that again when I was there in, in December um, you know would love to um, you know start to if there's in, any schools interested in having a pen pal or connecting with the students I think that would be wonderful um, also uh, donations are always really helpful um, because it allows us to actually make the purchases um, on ground when we're there. Very, like, exam example is the whiteboards. I purchased, a, I purchased the whiteboards when I was there versus um, sending them, because which is way more expensive, but um, it also helps, if you will, the Liberian economy also. And then the other piece is if there's any educators that are interested in maybe volunteering, um, we did a teacher training workshop um, for two weeks in 2014 looking to do something very similar to that again, that would be amazing um, to have folks that um, are educated in the states and, and, and um, have the resources and knowledge to be able to share that with my teachers because that's something they really look forward to and, and had a great time when we did it in 2014. So you're you're so you're willing to work with educators who are willing to fly from the U.S. to Liberia yep. and then yep. train teachers at uh, the Jerusalem Elementary and Junior High School on how to be better Absolutely. teachers. Now, this, this school has, what, about 325 students? Is that right? 325 students, yep, and 21 teachers. Okay, and so yep. you're trying to get those teachers to um, employ best practices, I assume. And, Correct. Um, and, and the, um, oh, I, before we move off from that topic, if somebody wants to donate, um, how do they do that? Do you have a donate button on your website or do they we have to? Do, absolutely. Okay. So give us yep. how that works then. So if you go on uh, the Project Blackboard website, www.projectblackboard.org, um, on the top right-hand corner, you see a donate um, uh, label, and you can click on that, and you can go in, and, and it's secured through PayPal, and you can make donations to Project Blackboard. And you are and you are a 501c3, is that correct? You're a 501c3, correct. Yep. We're a 501c3, and if you scroll down on the homepage, you'll find our uh, nonprofit exempt identification. Okay, so it's all yep. on on the above and uh and tell me how have people reacted to your work in liberia it's been amazing. Um, I, when I was there uh, this past December slash January, um, it was the unveiling of the library, and I had gotten so many calls of people just um, in awe of the fact that we were able to build a library and through the 30,000 books. I had um, individuals on ground reaching out because they said, hey, I work with a small group of students um, in a small, or a small school, and the students have never seen a library. The other great thing that came from the shipment of the books is that there was a surplus of books, and so from that... I was able to give quite a few uh, cartons or packages of books to other nonprofit organizations and schools in the community. So not only did my school benefit, but other um, organizations um, got a lift and, and um, sent amazing pictures of students with the books. And um, so it was just a, all in all just a win-win for everyone involved. But the feedback um, and the support has been amazing. Um, and my inbox is always full and it's just, I'm kind of the lone person doing the work. And I feel like sometimes it, it moves a lot faster than what I can keep up with. Um, but anyone that's an entrepreneur, business owner, et cetera, can understand that. Um, there's a huge pull and a lot of interest and in people wanting to support um, because of the work we've done in, in quite frankly, a short amount of time. We actually, um, two years ago, were a Google AdWord grant recipient for the work that we've done as well. So. 
oh. it's been a, a great, great experience. And um, when I'm there, I mean, my students um, are just, it's a great time. The last time I was there, I actually threw them a, a party um, uh, and went and got candy and, and cookies and whatnot for them to kind of have that experience. Because often they, they, they are, don't have resources to be able to do that at the school. And also provided my teachers with a stipend um, because um, Liberians make less than a dollar a day and wanted to be able to give them a great start to, to um, 2018. Well, Wokey, um, you know, we've been talking this whole show about Project Blackboard, and I bet we've got listeners that think you're um, doing this work and at this helm and this is your career, but actually you have a full-time job doing something entirely else. This is on the side, right? Correct. Yep. I mean, you are in HR with an employer here in town. That is your full-time job, correct? full-time job. It is. <laughs> so, Wokey, I mean, yeah. that, to me, that's what makes this so remarkable is that you have literally created a nonprofit. You've gone, uh, this is not just an ordinary nonprofit because the subject of your work is in a foreign country on a whole nother continent. And you've done all of that. You've built this up and you're in the process of still building it up um, with, while at the same time working, I'm going to guess probably 40 or 50 hours with a regular job. Do I have Absolutely. all of that right? Yeah, and I'm in school part time, so it's, oh, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> but my masters. Yeah, all right, but but let's make sure that people understand that you're being recognized for your work. The Twin Cities Business Journal recently recognized you as one of forty under forty. Do is that right? Correct. Yep. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank I, um, you. You. Um, it's it's certainly. I think you're worthy of that, and and uh, much other praise. So tell me, I mean, you um, you told me offline that you're single, right? <laughs> yeah. And you don't have any children. So, I mean, I'm, I'm raising that because... Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not married, but, um, okay. I did, but I don't have any children. Correct? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, single, too broad of a phrase. I hope I didn't yeah. offend anybody right now. No, I hope they're, they're okay with that. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll move on. But, I mean... You're, you're an idealist, okay? And I actually have another show on Monday mornings um, called LE 2.0, which is about idealism. Specifically, I'm just dealing with that idealism right there. But we're going to talk for, we're going to go into the uh, idealist lane for a second here on this show. And, and I, you know, tell me about what drives you. I mean, you know, this is a lot that you are doing. It yeah, shows great grit. You. I, by the way, great grit, great resiliency. Because, I mean, I ran a nonprofit. I started a nonprofit. It's not mm. easy. It takes nope. a lot of persistence. It takes a lot of believing in an end, an end game. And, and your nonprofit is so much more difficult because it is so far away. What, mm -hmm. what drives you? Why are you this way? You know, I think I really believe that service is a that you pay here on earth. Um, I, I, I'm a child of people that came from two of the poorest countries in the world. And I think just by chance, um, I had a very different life trajectory. Um, my mother was born in a hut, right? And so when you think about what the outcomes of her life could have been, I could have easily been that little girl in Liberia being raised in a village without resources and probably married by the time I'm 10. And, you know, um, understanding that um, I've been blessed and, and gotten the opportunity to go to school and, and I really believe in, in, in paying it forward and giving back. Um, you know, I think it's important to leave people, places and things better than, than how you found them. Um, you know, and I, that's kind of how I operate in the workplace. It's how I operate in my, my friendships, my relationships. Um, you know, that's how I treat my nonprofit. I, I want to, you know, be able to, you know, give those individuals in Liberia who outside of their circumstances can have an opportunity, you know, can, can get the resources and, and the, the, the support needed to be successful. Um, and so I, you know, I, I've, I've always volunteered and that's a great question is, is, is you ask that I think about kind of like, 
my how I'm wired and, and the things that I've always had passion about. It's been wrong giving back in, in elementary or middle school. I volunteered at a, at a nursing home. And, um, you know, I think about um, I volunteered at the YMCA um, for quite a few years and um, received an award for volunteering over 100 plus hours. And so it's always been kind of who I am and a part of my DNA. And I think um, understanding that, I mean, so little can have such a big impact in someone's life. And I think about, you know, my teacher's asking for a whiteboard. I'm, as I speak to you now, I'm in a room with a whiteboard. And we, as, as people that work in corporate America or people that are in the U.S., like, that's something that we take for granted. But when I went and purchased those whiteboards, I mean, some of the teachers are in tears, right, because it's, it's, it's something that they've needed <laughs> and something that will impact how they're, being, how, they're, how they're able to teach the students in the classroom. That's significant. Right. right. It's, it's small, yep. but it's, it's, it's impactful. So I think, you know, I, I'm, and my mom is a giver and I grew up in a home where people were in transition in terms of refugees coming and, and family members coming to live with us. And my mom always, she always overcooked. She, we say she has a heavy hand because she always make way more food than was needed, but because people were always coming to the house to eat. So I grew up in a very giving, loving home and a loving mother. And so I think that, um, I, I, I kind of left an imprint on who I am and how I'm wired. Well, Wokey, I mean, that is just such a incredibly wonderful explanation and about why you are who you are and why it is what you are doing. You know, this Thank idea, you. this idealism thing, you either have it, you know, strong. I think I'm, I firmly believe that everybody can be an idealist, but yeah. many people tamp it down because they're afraid or they don't know how to act on their empathetic heart in that regard. But when it shows up, it is, it, it can never be extinguished. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that once, you know, um, an out, for lack of a better phrase, idealist, always an out idealist. You're always working to make the world a better place. Yeah. And, and Wokey, I just want to tell you, I have the greatest respect for you. Um, I wish you and Project Blackboard the 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 best possible outcome and i want you to know that you have a friend here on hidden inches radio you have a Thank friend you. here with ellie krug and i just why don't you have one more time give them the, give everyone the website and um and so that if they want to contribute they know where to go wonderful it's uh www.projectblackboard.org and I want to thank you for reaching out. I want to thank you for the time, the platform, the visibility, um, and, and um, even considering us to be able to kind of have this space with you. It means a lot to my students and my school and my teachers. All right. Well, thank you, Wokey. I've been speaking with Wokey Dabo from Project Blackboard. It's a wonderful project. I um, urge uh, listeners to go and investigate. Um, certainly not if you're driving at the moment, but um, go and investigate. Wokey, take care and have a really great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Uh, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, with Hidden Edges Radio. We've just talked to uh, Wokey Dabo with Project Blackboard. What a wonderful, wonderful story and cause. When we come back, I will do my weekly odds and ends and then Human is Human segments. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. 
Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Today, sunny with a high near 70. Tonight, chance of showers, low around 54. And Monday, partly sunny with a high near 82. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is The Great Wall. Just north of 50th and France, Nidina, the Great Wall Restaurant has been providing a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Edges Radio. That was a wonderful, wonderful interview with Woki Dabo from Project Blackboard. You know, um, it's amazing what we can do when we put our minds to it. It really is. And she is um, a wonderful example of someone who has the right blueprint, who grew up in the right home, who was taught things early on about the value of giving back to the community, about the value of not being so into oneself that you can't look around and say, what more can I do for other people? And so I am just, I'm in awe that I've gotten to know her and I'm in awe of the fact of the work that she is doing. So now on this segment, Odds and Ends, uh, this is where I kind of randomly talk about things that have shown up in my inbox that have my interest. So Odd and End number one, I've got Odds and Ends one and two. Odds and End one is the 2020 census. Have you read or heard that the Census Bureau has now indicated that it will ask um, if those um, folks who are filling out the census, if they're living in opposite-sex households or same-sex households. I mean, this is big news coming out of this administration uh, that they are willing to at least explore or ask about same-sex household numbers. Um, it's a bit of a surprise for me because earlier the Census Bureau had indicated um, at one point it was going to ask about um, the uh, status, the sexual or gender identity status of census um, participants, whether they were lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Um, and then the Census Bureau backed off of that and said it would not do that. So this, again, is interesting news that the Census Bureau for the 2020 Census is going to ask about same-sex household, households. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, the LGBTQ community, even with that, though, will remain... Um, uh, invisible to a large degree. I mean, there there is all kinds of guessing about the number of LGBTQ people in America. 
Um, and uh, there have been surveys out there. You know, some people say that 3% of the U.S. is LGBTQ. Some say 4%. Others say that it's 10%. You know, but if we were on the census, if you were asking whether you're gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender, it would actually... Um, solidify that we are actually worthy of being counted. Um, and, and it helps to normalize us. It helps to normalize um, LGBTQ people, my community. Um, remember, I'm transgender. I'm also bisexual, but we don't need to go down that road. Um, it would help to normalize us as uh, something that is part of America. So, it looks like I will have to wait until 2030 uh, to see whether or not the uh, B's and the T's, as well as the L's and the G's, get counted in the survey. Uh, frankly, uh, I'm 61 in 2018. I hope that I'm alive in 2030 to be able to take part in that survey. And if I'm not, well, there you go. Odds and ends number two is a little bit of continuing this theme about normalizing LGBTQ people. Have you seen the movie Love, Simon? Because if you haven't, I'm going to highly recommend that you go see it in the most strongest possible, highest terms. And that movie is um, about, in the most basic sense, about two boys falling in love. It, the movie, um, there's no, uh, don't worry, there's no sex involved in the movie. It is absolutely um, a movie that uh, anyone from 10 up, a child from 10 years up, uh, would enjoy seeing. It stars Nick Robinson as Simon Spear, who is a closeted high school senior who begins an email um, correspondence and relationship with another anonymous student student from his high school. That other student is gay. The show tracks how the emails become more um, intense and more romantic. Uh, and eventually, Simon, who is very closeted, uh, Simon, our protagonist in the movie, comes out. He comes out to his family. Um, he is, uh, he, well, we, I won't get into the details, but he comes out at his school the question is whether the other anonymous student, because as this email correspondence is going back and forth between Simon and the other student, we don't know who that person is. The person's never revealed in the email. He just, um, he just has a tagline as blue. Um, and so the question was whether blue would make um, himself public so that their romance could become a real romance rather than one on email. The movie also stars Jennifer Garner as Simon's mother, but she's really got a back seat on this, um, on this movie. She shows up, but she is not the star. It is this wonderful kid, this Nick Robinson who plays Simon. He does a wonderful job. The thing about this movie is that it is so normal. We are so used to coming-of-age movies with straight characters, but this is about a lead gay character, and there is nothing unusual about this kid or about the circumstances. He is a normal teenager dealing with normal teenage things. Um, yes, the movie is about a white upper upper middle class family, no question about that. Simon gets to drive his own car to school, and he hangs out with other upper middle class kids, although in the movie he's hanging out with, with girls and uh, kids of color. So in that sense, the movie is also sending a very positive message about inclusivity in our society. And um, I think that this movie is also quite symbolic and powerful because it's showing this movie is showing up at a time when other important things such as gun control such as protecting our kids are also being led by other youth by other students um we have the parkland students showing up talking about very important things so now we have a movie about students showing us the way about how loving somebody of the same gender is no big thing. It's just about loving humans. And isn't it, in the end, really what that is about? 
Isn't that what we need to accomplish in this world, that we just love people simply because they are other people, that we at least respect them as humans, that we don't put them into boxes, we don't categorize them, we don't group and label, we don't exclude on the basis of race or religion or LGBTQ status or the um, difference between uh, voice and appearance, the dichotomy, and then we marginalize somebody because of that. So I highly recommend this movie, Love, Simon. Highly recommend that you bring the teenager in your life. And you know what? I also recommend you bring your parents, your, you know, your 60 or 70-year-old parents to this movie. They'll get a better sense of what it means to be gay, to be struggling, to be afraid, to be yourself. And then they might also get a better sense of what it means to live authentically and the joy that comes with that. And perhaps for those people who don't know someone who is gay, maybe they'll have a better sense of understanding. Oh, and one last thing. If you go see the movie, bring tissues. You'll need them. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Hidden Edges Radio. We just got done with my odds and ends. When we come back, we'll do my human is human section. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. I am doing a lot of things in the world. We'll be back in a second. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hi, I'm Damian Strange, Executive Director of Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association, NEMA. And I'm personally inviting you to Arter World, May 18th through the 20th. View artwork of over 650 artists in every medium at more than 50 locations throughout Northeast Minneapolis, including studio buildings, art galleries, homes, storefronts, and local businesses. The Artist Open Studio Tour may include demonstrations, mini workshops, installations, and special exhibitions. Studio tours offer a great opportunity to ask questions, discuss techniques, experience art firsthand, and purchase unique artwork directly from artists. Arter World gives you a unique opportunity to meet the artists who make our community so vibrant and invest in our art community by purchasing artwork that you connect with. For more information, go to nema.org. That's nema.org. Looking forward to seeing you at Arter World. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They've built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. And I am back on 
everyone. Hidden Edges Radio. This is Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. My regular listeners, you know that. New listeners, I hope that you are listening today and you're just getting a sense that this is a different show, that I am a different radio host, that I'm trying to take different approaches to different things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at all that. You know, big deal. Okay. This last section is Human is Human. Um, and... Uh, I am, hopefully, by the time uh, you hear this, I have already talked about Crisis Connection, the 24-hour suicide prevention phone line that serves all of Minnesota. Um, but I wanted to do a special section. I'm, I'm working to try and get them on my live show. I don't know if that will happen, but um, I want to talk a little bit about them, but I also want to talk about suicide as well. So, um, for those who are uh, listening, may, some of you may have heard about Canvas's Health. Canvas Health, they're a nonprofit that they have a um, suicide prevention. They have a crisis hotline called Crisis Connection. It's a suicide, 24-hour suicide prevention line that serves all of Minnesota. And, and uh, if you want to learn more about um, the Crisis Connection, all you have to do is Google Crisis Connection and it will come up. Um, I, this is a, this is a, um, a hot button for me because, and some will know, and especially if you've read my book, Getting to Ellen, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change, you will know that, um, my book starts out with, um, my father's suicide. He killed himself in 1990. I was 34, 36 years old. I don't remember. Um, and, um, and my father suffered uh, from varying degrees of depression his entire life. Um, my father would not have been the kind of person to have called out to crisis connection. My father did not actually believe in talking at all about the things that were in his head. Um, but I got an introduction to suicide that way. And then myself, I got close to uh, taking my life about 12 years ago. I hit a very, very, very deep patch of dark depression. And um, I was thinking about um, uh, killing myself quite frequently and, and uh, started doing some planning. But I was able to dig myself out of that with the help of a great therapist and with some grit and resiliency on my part. And as uh, this is important also because I happen to be I'm part of a community as a transgender person, a community that has an astronomical attempted suicide rate. So transgender people, because we are not often not accepted by our families or our loved ones, and because uh, we only have legal rights in 20 states, so the vast majority of the places in America, I don't have legal right to be me, um, we have a suicide rate that's 40 times the attempted suicide rate as for non-transgender people. That's the attempted suicide rate. And then our actual suicide rate is extraordinarily high. I don't have the figure for that, but of all the letters of the LGBTQ alphabet, we kill ourselves more often. Um, and so this is all a big deal for me. And this Canvas Health thing, um, you know, brings to light um, the idea that... Uh, if people don't have a resource to go to when they are at the depths of depression, very often they, they feel that there is no option. Now, the thing about suicide, the thing about the depression and the mental trauma that gets you to there is the idea that you have no hope. Um, when you lose hope, you really lose just about everything. And so it is... You know, incredibly important, whether it's uh, the crisis connection or a private therapist or someone else, it is incredibly important that people who are struggling, that people who are facing the darkness of depression, that they have the opportunity, the, the access to someone who can offer perspective. And that perspective very, very often provides hope provides you a way of seeing the world a different way. And when you can see the world a different way, when you can realize that, that no, things possibly can get better tomorrow, then you get hope rekindled. And when you have hope rekindled, then the idea of taking your life has far less weight, 
far less gravity because you at least see some other way out. Um, in our society, the people hold the levers, the ones who control the power, and that is the money, because right now, as it's the crisis connection, there's an issue about uh, the legislature appropriating a million dollars for them. But I'm also talking about another resources as well, about our access to therapists, um, our inability to, um, because we're going backwards on Obamacare, where part of Obamacare requirement was that mental health uh, access, mental health coverage be part of basic health coverage. And we're losing that. Yep. Thank you. And, and, and that's because the people in power, many of them, don't understand the connection between mental health, suicide, suicide prevention. And many of them, you know, until you have somebody who takes their life in your family or in, or in your circle of friends, or until you have someone who suffers from the depth of depression where they're talking about suicide or that other um, um, horrible mental health conditions are showing up, until that occurs, this is all foreign. And it's a whole lot easier to think that you want to allocate the money to something else or you want to cut taxes so that the money isn't even there for those kinds of resources. Um, I, uh, I urge our legislators, I urge you, listeners, to, to support um, Canvas Health, to support Crisis Connections, um, you can go on their website and, uh, and just Google crisis uh, org, and you, you can, you can go to their website. There will be a way to donate to them, but I also urge you on the broader, on the broader sense in the larger uh, scheme of everything, uh, that you be aware of the need to support mental health in your community as a way to keep people, to give people another option, to give them a way to grab hope when they feel that there is no other hope. And when, they, when, and when, as I said, they lose hope, they lose their ability to want to go on. And then taking your life seems like the only option. Seems like the only way to go. There's nothing to lose. No one will care about me if I'm gone. It doesn't matter. I'm a burden on other people. All of which is never true. For anyone, everyone has value. Well, I think that that wraps up another show. I hope you've enjoyed um, all that we've had on this show. I hope I would love for you to tell others about it. I would love uh, for some of you to come forward as um, sponsors for the show. I do need to thank our regular sponsors, which are the Michaud Cooley Erickson Engineering Firm, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie recommended you. She does great work. A big thanks to my uh, producer, Hunter Hawes. Thank you, Hunter. And um, a big thanks to you, listeners. We'll be back next week with more. Take care. Bye.